You're listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Adam Rosen. I'm a fellowship-trained, board-certified orthopedic surgeon who specializes in knee replacement. Here I'll talk to you about common knee complaints and other orthopedic issues. We'll cover other important health-related topics, all of which are meant to helpfully answer some of your questions and help improve the quality of your life. Thanks for listening, and on with the next episode. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen, and you're listening to Your Knee, Your Health. So if you're just joining us for the first time, I'm an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. And this podcast series is a series that talks all about things pertinent to your health and a lot of arthroplasty-related issues, hip and knee replacement, and other generalized orthopedic issues. So in today's episode, I want to talk to you about sex and specifically sex after hip replacement because the fear of dislocation is a real one for a lot of people undergoing hip replacement. So we have to back up. So before we get there, um, there are a lot of patients that actually come into my office, most commonly due to hip arthritis, but occasionally due to knee arthritis. And you know, you think normally people say, well, I can't walk or hike or play golf or tennis anymore because of my hip arthritis. But I'm sure a lot more people have difficulty, um, but very few people actually bring it up, but they'll say, you know, I have difficulty or I can't have sex anymore. And typically this is either due to pain or a lot of patients get very limited range of motion more commonly with the hip and the hip won't rotate in a way that allows them to have sexual relations. So it's something that really impacts their entire life because, you know, sex is a normal thing. It's a normal thing that we all do. And there's actually been a lot of science behind it. And they have found that there's a lot of major health benefits simply from having sex, or if you want to call it sexual relations or intercourse, um, or I even have some patients refer to it as the hanky-panky. So whatever you want to call it, um, it is a good thing for people to do. It will reduce your heart rate and blood pressure. And again, you know, obviously raises your heart rate and blood pressure during But in studies, people that have more frequent sex can have lowering of their heart rate and blood pressure overall. It can reduce depression and anxiety. It's good for your mental and physical health and well-being. Studies have shown that it boosts your immune system and also improves your sleep. And here's an interesting thing that there have been a lot of studies that can show that it can reduce pain. And pain is one of those things that may be common after hip and knee replacement. So there's actually a lot of benefits generally, long-term, both and short-term, in having sex. You know, and people worry about, well, what about, you know, can I just use it as exercise? Well, they've done those studies too, and they looked at young, healthy couples, um, and they only burn about 85 calories. So, you know, you still have to do other stuff, but there's definitely, um, you know, no downside if you're looking to burn a couple extra calories per day. Now, what about long-term, you know, health benefits, you know, in men and women specifically? Well, there were actually some studies done. This was back in the ni- 1996 or 97, I believe. Um, and it showed that men that had more frequent reported orgasms by the men, um, that they had half a risk of dying over those next 10 years. And there was another study um, done a little bit after that that actually showed that men that had more frequent orgasms had a lower risk of developing prostate cancer. Now, on the women's side, studies have shown that having more regular sex or sexual intercourse can improve your bladder control and reduce incontinence. And this is a common thing as women age, but by having sex more regularly, 
It leads to strengthening of the pelvic floor, which can reduce those problems. They also found that women that were more sexually active after menopause were less likely to have significant vaginal atrophy. And that's something that can lead to pain during intercourse. So lots of of different things that actually benefit you um, by having sexual relations. And, you know, there's an intimacy thing too, where, you know, if you have a sexual partner and you're not having sex, you're not having the release of this hormone called oxytocin, which has also been called the cuddle hormone or intimacy hormone or love hormone. Um, And by, you know, not having intercourse, if you're having pain and stress and anxiety after surgery, you know, not having this hormone release can also lead to some of those other problems. Um, so should we have sex after hip replacement? And, and that becomes, you know, the big question that people are always, you know, asking, okay, so I had a hip replacement. I'm afraid of having a dislocation. So the risk of dislocation nowadays, really independent of the approach, um, is around 2%. You know, years ago, it used to be higher, you know, 10, 15, 20%. It was really common. I even remember during training back then, it was pretty common that every time you were on call, you know, you would see somebody in the emergency room with a dislocated hip replacement. But hip replacements and the surgical approach of how we get in and get out have improved significantly. So rates are in that 1% to 2% category. So if we say 2%, you know, the risk of dislocation during sexual relations is possible, but it's even a smaller sort of percentage of that. But obviously, it's a fear thing. So when is it safe to resume? Um, it is a question, honestly, that I probably, as I was doing this you know, research and putting together this talk, it's probably something that I should put more up front in all of my informational packets and talk to patients about because I don't necessarily think of talking about it on a regular basis, and I think I will now, um, but I do get a number of patients that ask, you know, and they'll say before or after, um, when can I resume sexual relations? When can I have sex after my hip or knee replacement? Um, And again, most commonly it's more due, you know, to the hip issues with risk of dislocation, but some people just range of motion and pain from the knee. And, And the simple answer I tell them is whenever you're comfortable, you know, it can be a day, a week, a month, um, three months, at three months, really, the, the risk of dislocation from the surgical approach is really diminished. So the tissue that we've opened and closed and the muscle strength has come back that, you know, you see a, definitely a decline in the risk of dislocation the further you get out. But there is a fear because if you dislocate early, the more frequent or times that you dislocate, the greater the chances of dislocating again. Um, so we used to have, and I, I went looking for it, we actually used to have a packet that we gave out, we kind of um, called it sort of like the Kama Sutra of hip replacement, and it had a whole bunch of pictures, and I honestly, I couldn't find it. Um, but there is a lot of good, you know, information and data out there. There's a whole bunch of medical articles um, in our orthopedic journals that I think are probably um, a little overwhelming and confusing for people to read. Um, but what I am going to do is I'm going to link it in the show notes, is there's a great... Um, a handout. It's a guide from our American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, and it's titled A Guide to Returning to Sexual Activity Following Hip or Knee Replacement. And it goes through, you know, all the things that we just talked about, that it's a normal part of human nature, and it talks about all the health benefits, um, and when is it okay um, to resume. Was interesting, though, that, you know, from one of the articles they quoted is that 75% of people report that sex was interrupted or stopped altogether from hip arthritis. So again, it's something that people don't really talk about, 
as frequently as their other activities, but it's a very common thing. So if you're having difficulty having sex due to hip arthritis, just know that a majority of people like you are, um, and it's very, very normal. So what they did though, is they put in a whole bunch of pictures, you know, and they're assuming, you know, a man and woman position. Um, so maybe in this day and age, you know, we need to have different pictures for, you know, different relationships. Um, but in this picture, they've, they've, um, taken these pictures that were in another article in 2014, and it, shows kind of check boxes or red X's through which positions would be good or bad. So I'll put the link in there, but I don't really hold that up and say, you know, you circle this, you can do this and you can do that because it's kind of overwhelming. Um, and you know, there's a whole lot of pictures and it's not, I think very, you know, super accurate for a lot of people, you know, cause they're looking, well, what else do I do and how do I do it? And this is the thing that I explain to most people. So what I'll tell them is that if you have a way that you enjoy and you used to have sex on a regular basis, um, what you should do is with your clothes on, without intimacy involved and passion of the moment, is, you know, just see, you know, maybe on your own, you know, can can you get yourself safely and slowly into that position? Does it cause any pain? And then maybe with your partner, again, with clothes on, without the passion of intimacy at the moment, you know, is just see, are we even comfortable being in that position or does that hurt my hip or my knee? Because obviously if you're having pain, it's uncomfortable. You don't have the flexibility or the range of motion yet. Well, then you're not going to do it. Um, and if you are comfortable, um, then it would be okay to do, you know, because the big thing is usually greater ranges of motion and it does depend somewhat on the approach. So, you know, when we talk about dislocation, there's a few different variations, but for simplicity's sake, you know, a hip can come out the front, a hip can go out the back, what we call an anterior dislocation or posterior dislocation. So an anterior dislocation is when the ball comes out the front. This is typically when the leg, let's say we talk about the right leg, what's called externally rotates. So your foot rotates out to the side. And this can happen sometimes more commonly with an anterior approach because they've gone in through that direction. But sometimes based on the implant position, even with a posterior approach, the hip can come out the front. So that is with the leg is usually straight um, or what we call extended behind you and rotated out. So the knee and the foot rotate out to the right side. So we externally rotate the leg. And the other issue is the hip can come out the back, what we call a posterior dislocation. Again, more frequently with the posterior approach um, than the anterior, but it can still occur with either approach. And this is typically when the hip is flexed up high. So if you think of sitting in a chair, your hip and knees are at 90 degrees. Um, you know, the old theory is, you know, when you came above 90, the hip could come out. And also if you combine two things, so if the hip comes up as if you're bringing your hip up towards your chest and the knee is coming in, the foot's going out, what we call internal rotation. Um, so when the hip rotates up and in like that, that flexion and internal rotation, the hip can dislocate out the back. So nowadays though, most institutions like ours, you know, because hip implants have gotten so good and the approaches have gotten so good, and the recovery has gotten so good. Most people have really eliminated hip precautions. You know, the one precaution we just tell people is don't cross your legs, you know, for three months, but you can cross your feet. There's no restrictions on a pillow between your knee. There's no restrictions on how you can sit in a chair and bending over. But as long as you move slowly, because some people progress quicker than others, you know, they find, hey, I can bend over pretty quickly. It doesn't hurt. Now, I have people, I'll say in the office, you know, how high can you lift your leg and bend your knee up? And, you know, some people have difficulty bending it up, you know, 
100, 105 degrees, they may have been stiff before or still weak. And then there's other people that lift it up with their own or with their hand, almost need a chest. So people now have that ability of full range of motion, you know, but in the beginning and in the stress um, and the heat of the moment with intimacy, you don't want to have that leg forced up by you by accident or by your partner. Um, or motions, you know, that may cause that hip to potentially dislocate or what we call sublux. So some people will even say, I was, you know, doing this activity and it felt like my hip hurt for a second and then I felt a clunk. So what that is, is the ball sort of slid up on the edge. It didn't fully dislocate. You recognized it stopped whatever you were doing and the ball slid back into its socket, that clunk. That's what we call a subluxation. So again, Obviously, like any of these health-related things, you're going to have to talk to your surgeon and talk to them about your approach and your surgery um, and your wound and your incision and making sure that you're safe in their opinion to have sex. You know, but for most of my patients, I'm saying, hey, you know, you can have sex when you're comfortable from a pain standpoint, your wound's healed. And as long as you sort of abide by these rules of, you know, check to make sure that these positions are comfortable for you. Um, and even if, you know, there's more than one sexual position that you like, not only that you've checked, you know, position one and position two and that you're comfortable, but even the transition of moving from position one to position two um, and make sure that you're comfortable. You know, I've had some people that, you know, they miss the sexual intimacy um, and, and they miss sort of some of those health benefits of having an orgasm. And sometimes, it's okay that if you're not comfortable in having sexual relations that you can masturbate on your own, you know, have the orgasm, get some of those health benefits of decreasing pain. Um, and this way you can do this, you know, again, on your own, if you're more comfortable doing it that way or with your partner, um, but without having, you know, true intercourse, you know, this way the two of you are together and getting that oxytocin sort of release and that bond until you develop more either confidence um, or more comfort or more healing, you know, to allow yourself to go back to. Because to be honest with you, I've had the question asked from both parties, you know, whether or not the patient is a female or male. Um, sometimes they've asked, and sometimes in the room, you know, I've had the significant other, you know, ask. And, you know, so sometimes both parties are really interested in, you know, when they can resume this part of the relationship that, again, may not have been impacted simply because they had surgery on a particular day, but it may have been impacted for many, many months um, or even a year prior to that due to the pain or limitations in the range of motion of hip, hip arthritis. So um, I really hope that this helps. Um, you know, again, it's something that I've talked to my patients about for a long time, but something that I honestly haven't brought up on a regular basis with every patient. Um, and something that, you know, after this talk, I think I'm going to change. I always try to update my packets for my patients every year. Um, so this is something I'm going to add in there. Um, and again, for you, I'm going to put in the show notes and a link um, to this guide to returning to sexual activity following joint replacement by the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. So you can read through that packet on your own, print it out, and you can look at those pictures. Um, and then also, you know, obviously always check with your surgeon to find out, you know, if there's any particular you know, specifics based on your surgery, say if you had a revision or some complicated surgery that they may want you to, you know, wait or delay before you um, resume intimacy. Um, and, you know, and obviously discuss this with your partner because you don't want to, you know, have all these things and not be open with your partner. Like, this is what I'm comfortable as far as my leg going now, you know, don't touch it, move it here. And, and this way, you know, you both benefit and no one's 
hurt or harmed. Um, so again, thank you for tuning in. I really hope that you're enjoying um, what you're hearing. If you do and have the time, it would be really great if you can go on uh, iTunes or the other platforms and leave a review. It helps other people like you uh, find this podcast and this information. And if you haven't already subscribed, please subscribe so you'll get updated of all of the new latest and greatest episodes that are coming out. i got a few good ones that I'm working on for these next upcoming weeks. And until next time, please stay safe, stay healthy. Thanks for listening. I'm Adam Rosen. You've been tuning in to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. Thanks for listening to the Your Knee, Your Health podcast. If you've not already done so, please subscribe so you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. I'm your host, Adam Rosen, and until next time, stay safe.